used to make her mornings, but now she makes our afternoons the best show next to Saturday morning cartoons. With Alice in a war and Emocast, and we can count. So grab a friend and take a seat. The show is starting right now. Greetings and salutations. Um, where's that from? Who used to say that? Is that from a TV show? I don't know. But hello, friends. Happy uh, whatever day it is to you. It is uh, Tuesday, August 20th, where I am. And uh, normally at this time, I would be watching people's court. But I decided to spend the time with you. <laughs> I, uh, I call 1 o'clock uh, weekdays my my criminal law class where I expand my legal mind watching uh, the people's court <laughs> so uh, happy uh, uh, what's left of summer oh I oh my gosh I'm so oh, so sad uh, Labor Day is like two weeks away and I can't even I don't even know where summer went I'm just I'm blown away by the fact that we're almost at the end I'm looking forward to uh, having an extended, uh, weekend. Uh, but I'm just, where did it go? Where did summer go? Uh, a couple things, a couple program notes right up front. Penelope, my sweet, precious little Penelope, my rescue cat, rescued her from outside. Um, uh, took care of her outside for several years before I could rescue her. Uh, she's an inside cat now. Uh, cost lots of money because when when I was able to finally rescue her it's because she was attacked by another animal and she had to be in quarantine for two weeks and she had to have surgery and get stitched up because she was all torn apart and for some reason I think I've talked about this before while they had her um, we just never discussed fixing her and uh, I don't know why, uh, you know, the, tab, the, the meter was running on that tab at the cat clinic. Uh, that was a big whopping bill by the time we were done. Um, I don't know why they didn't take care of that or why I didn't think to make sure that they did. Uh, because she spent the first several years of her life outside, she's very skittish. I don't want to traumatize her. And uh, trying to get her back to a vet to fix her has been kind of a challenge like well how are we gonna do this because she's skittish and we've come so far I don't want to set her back so I tell you all of this because she has decided right at this moment uh, during our podcast time together that she's gonna walk around the house and howl so you may hear her in the background um, you may hear you may hear me bean her with a pillow because I will um, <laughs> I will I will aim it right at her be quiet Penelope my precious flower <laughs> so uh the howling in the back is penelope and uh, also i may have to in the middle of this podcast take a moment to um uh, set the microphone down so that i can take both of my hands nails extended and uh dig them into my skin into the feet of my skin and literally uh scratch my feet raw um, I am in complete agony. I it I know that I've probably had it worse, but uh, I went to a party on Saturday. Uh, our our dear friends had a bonfire, as they have many many times before, 
And uh, I don't remember this being an issue before, but um, I was devoured, devoured by mosquitoes. Like I, I, I'm gonna uh, ballpark about 200 bites from my uh, mid calf down on both feet. So both feet, every square inch. So like, let's just say um, that I start on my right foot, side of my right foot, start itching, scratching, feel around with my fingertips. I feel about 50 bites. That's just the side of my right foot. That's not the inside or the heel or the top or the toes. Like, I don't understand like how I was sitting at this party, literally being Thanksgiving dinner for mosquitoes and not really understanding what was happening like I swatted a couple mosquitoes away I remember that and the uh the piece de resistance is that the picnic table that I sat at had a giant bottle of off sitting right there uh people were using it and I was like eh eh I'm sure nothing's gonna happen I'll be fine um so this was Saturday night uh, it's Tuesday, Sunday. I don't remember getting itchy. Sometime around middle of the night, Sunday, um, I, I, my feet would just—they would just throb and feel inflamed, and the itching. I mean, it's madness is going to set in, like legit madness. Because one of the things I can't do right now is get any sleep at all. Like I lay down, I try and get some sleep, and the itching starts, and. Uh, and you, I mean, it's just mosquito bites, right? You're like, eh, uh, build a bridge, get over it. I can't, I can't. It's not that simple. It sounds like it is, but it's not. It's like 200 mosquito bites and it is maddening. And the itching like, like d- doesn't stop. So I'll get in there and I'll just dig. I'm scratching. I got, I got both hands working both feet. I'm doing the side. I'm doing the top. I'm scratching the toes. I'm going back to the heel. You know, sparks are flying off my feet. And I'm just going to town 15 straight minutes and nothing. Like the itching doesn't stop at all. So, um, and I'm laying in bed and I've got a, a pillow that I keep down at the end of, at, at the end of my bed. Because sometimes I like to sleep with my feet up on a pillow. And I'm like rubbing my feet against the pillow. And uh, and Warren's tossing and turn, turning. And he's like, what are you doing over there? And I'm like, I'm dying. That's what I'm doing. I'm like, I can't stop itching. And uh, and then, you know, because I get up so early in the morning, I get up at three. Um, I only get like three, four hours of sleep at night. So I try and I try and get a couple hour nap in the daytime. And I'll lay down, try and get a nap, and the itching starts again. And I just, you know, so in addition to like this misery of this itching, I I can't get any sleep. So I was talking about it on the radio the other day, and uh, a bunch of people sent me all these remedies, like home remedies or things to buy in the store. So I went went to the store yesterday, Monday night, and I loaded up. I bought this uh, Benadryl insect bite spray, and I bought this Burt's Bees thing, and then... uh, uh, some home remedies. Someone told me about uh, vinegar. And then before I'd gone to the store, uh, I had rubbing alcohol. So like Sunday into Monday when I hadn't, you know, I didn't have anything in the house yet. I did have a, a can of solar cane that had expired 11 years ago. And I thought to myself, I know expiration dates mean things like, or why, you know, why bother? Because you would think, ah, solar cane. Yeah, it's, it's got to be good, right? 
but it expired 11 years ago. So I couldn't bring myself to use it. And I also don't understand why it's been in my house for 11 years. So I'm in the, you know, it's, it's one in the morning. I've got like two more hours to sleep, uh, uh, early Monday morning and I'm in the bathroom and I just, I get out the rubbing alcohol and I think, well, maybe this will help. I'd already been scratching my feet for like 20 minutes. And so I just stand in the bathtub and I just pour rubbing alcohol all, all over my feet. Um, it burned because I had scratched all the mosquito bites like open. Um, but I didn't care. I was like, I'll take it. I will take that over the itching. Um, and uh, FYI, if you ever find yourself, you know, covered in mosquito bites and you don't have any remedies in the house, the rubbing alcohol does work. It worked for a while. So, uh, so I got the rubbing alcohol and then, um, I filled a little squirt bottle with vinegar. I'm doing that because I'm neurotic. I get home with like the, uh, the formal anti-itching sprays that I bought, like the Benadryl and, um, you know, everything is a potential, like, uh, could possibly kill me, uh, cause the hypochondria, hypochondriasm will rear its ugly head. So I'm reading the back of the Benadryl and like, cause right off the bat, Benadryl kind of gets me, you know, I'm like, I don't really take Benadryl. And, and I know that, you know, I feel like I've heard about people having side effects from Benadryl. So I, I automatically get weirded out and I'm like, why didn't I just buy the Bactine or something that I'm familiar with? Um, so I'm reading it and it's like only use it three to four times a day. Don't use it if you're taking something that has the active ingredient, diacolecomecosatricolacycolycline, you know, some really super long word. And the thing that got me was, and don't lose, don't use on large areas of your body. And I was like, well, that's subjective. I don't, you know, that's, uh, I prefer things to be clear and direct and not vague like that. Like what is, um, hold on. I got to throw a pillow at Penelope. Penelope, come in here so I can throw this at you. Can you hear how loud she is? No, but no boys want to get with you. That was probably harsh, right? I don't want to affect her self-esteem. Okay. Maybe boys want to get with you, but they can't because they're outside. She she sounds like she's in agony. We're all a hot mess up in here. Um, so uh, sidebar on her, we have to get the home vet, the mobile vet, to come and uh, give her some anxiety medicine so that we can get her to – she's never been in a kitty carrier. Like she's she literally went from being born outside and living outside to coming in the house and outside cats can – be socialized. I don't like the term feral and I don't like to use it. Um, they can be socialized, especially if they had human contact in their early days, but they're always going to have that thing in the back of their neck. That's just like, I had to live outside. I had to sleep through winters. I had to fend for myself. So, you know, the only reason this is still an issue is because I just don't want to traumatize her and like, you know, undo all the work that we've done to get to this point like she sleeps on the bed and you know she's like a house cat so that's why it's not as simple as you know just get her in the carrier and take her to the vet um so anyway uh mosquito bite uh talk resume so um the benadryl like i um I'm reading this, the the last thing under warnings and it's like don't use on large area of your body and I'm like well that's that's who's to decide what's a large area of your body. 
Um, both of my feet, I'm a size eight. I need full coverage, both feet, top, sides, heel, a little, uh, a little up past my ankle. That seems like a lot of coverage, you know, so I'm all, so the very first time I use that, I like spray it on before I lay in bed and all of a sudden I'm like, I think my throat's closing up. I think, I think my throat's closing up. I shouldn't have used the Benadryl. And so I freak myself out uh, and I go get in the tub and I rinse it off uh, like for like 20 minutes later, but whatever, because I, I, I get all in my head and then all of a sudden I start manufacturing symptoms that aren't there. And really, I think that my throat was closing up because I had screamed at my sister earlier. So I was genuinely feeling some throat distress, but that was because I yelled at my sister for like 20 straight minutes and she totally had it coming to her, by the way. Um, so anyway... So that's where we are with Mosquito Gate, uh, and I'm I'm so in distress about this that I'm like I'm actually I'm like angry at Warren for I don't want to say making me go to the party because I love our friends and I like to go to their house and I like to go to parties, but this one backfired. So I'm angry at him because we and i'm i'm using the words had to go <laughs> um i'm i'm not mad at our friends but i'm mad at their backyard <laughs> and i don't understand i mean i'm i'm sorry did all of the sudden they um become a a house near a swamp in louisiana like wh- why were all of the why were we in mosquitoville and why did they all flock to me I am no stranger to being eaten alive by mosquitoes. That actually has happened many times. Um, I can remember another time where I got it really bad. And I did read some, like, fact about, like, who mosquitoes target. And I do, I think that I read blonde hair for some weird reason. So, um, I don't know. But anyway, um, if if this happens, don't let this happen to you. Don't, don't be too... Uh, don't be too cool to use the off if you see it sitting out. If you're at an outside party and someone's put a bottle of off out, just use it. Like, if I had just given myself a couple squirts, like, I, I'd i be in s- such better position right now. And I, I, I promise you, when I say between my two feet, 200 mosquito bites, I, I, I don't think I'm, I honestly don't think I'm lying. I think I'm pretty close to being accurate. And uh, I'm going to move off of this now because uh, uh, talking about it is really uh, summonsing an itch fit. An itch fit is looming and I really don't want to have to get in there and start digging again, at least until we get through this podcast. (laughs) And now from not really uh, serious medical issues to... uh, uh, almost serious medical issue. Hey, guess who found themselves in the emergency room again? I'll give you one guess. It wasn't George Clooney. Remember ER? I never watched that show. I'm looking at the credits. Huh. Yeah. John Stamos was an ER. I did not know that. All right. So, um, yeah. Emergency room. Emergency room visit uh, 204. 
by Alison Martinek. This is uh, so bizarre and uh, has maybe, maybe a funny ending. Is a little bit terrifying in the beginning and just just weird, just, just all around weird. So uh, this was a, a few weeks ago. You know, I had uh, that hernia surgery over Memorial weekend. Maybe that's why I feel like summer's gone so fast because the very first kickoff, like the kickoff weekend of summer, I have emergency uh, emergency surgery and I'm in the hospital for seven days and then I'm like kind of convalescing for uh, for two weeks and uh, you know making you know just resting and healing and then and, you know and then things get away from you and then it's almost Labor Day and you know there's like another emergency room visit thrown in the mix so things seem to be going okay as far as the healing you know I, everything. I followed the rules and I didn't lift a lot of heavy things and I I felt, you know, I kept the wound clean and I just did all the stuff that I was supposed to do. And uh, unlike when I had my appendix taken out and I literally almost died. So and that's not like my um, mosquito exaggerating. That's for real. So I have my appendix out again, middle of the night, laying in bed, uh, wake up in terrible pain. I'm like, we got to go to the hospital. We, we rush to the hospital. Right then and there, they're like, yep, emergency surgery. It's the middle of the night. Emergency surgery. Appendix come out. Um, I don't remember staying in the hospital. I feel like, I don't know, I feel like 7 o'clock that morning, 8 o'clock that morning, I'm coming back home. So appendix are out. I don't remember being talked to about, you know, much about it. Um but it was just like, you know, you hear about it all the time. It seems to be routine. Uh, had it done, went home. It looked like everything was good, right? A week later, like to the day, a week to the day, I'm uh, I'm at the radio station. I'm, I do middays at the time, so I'm in the middle of doing my show. And I, I instantly buckle over in pain. Like I literally bend over. I'm grabbing myself around my midsection and I'm like, I'm, I'm wailing. I'm like in the worst pain ever to the point where like I leave, like I, 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 I pick up the phone in the studio. I, you know, call back to my boss or whatever. And I'm like, I, I have to go. I'm like, I don't know what's wrong. I said, but I, I never felt pain like this. And I drive myself straight to the hospital. And, um, well, it's a little bit, a little bit of a shady situation, uh, in retrospect when I think about it, cause I wind up being in the hospital for 10 days. I remember I call my boss every day. Every day I call my boss from the hospital. And, uh, you know, I can't tell him why I'm there. Like, I never, I never get clarification as to why I'm in the hospital, ever. Like, the entire nine days that I'm in the hospital, I'm admitted at that moment. I'm put in a room and I'm put on 24 hour uh, uh, intravenous antibiotics, right? intravenous antibiotics 24 hours so these antibiotics run through my veins 24 hours non-stop and I can tell it was a powerful antibiotic because I smelled like I just stunk like the smell that exuded from my skin like I just I, I just smelled so uh you know, day one, I don't get any, re you know, I, 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 no one's telling me, you know, normally you're in the hospital and it's like, here's why you're here. Uh, day two, no one's telling me. And I remember every morning this, um, and this is routine. If you've ever been in the hospital, it's pretty routine. You know, 
the, the doctors make their rounds. They come around and this doctor who had this just reeky cologne would come in every morning like 6 a.m. And he'd have, you know, his his posse with him. Yeah, use four, five, six people. Um, he'd come in the room. No good, be- no good bedside manner. Uh, push around on my stomach and leave. And, um, and that's how it was like, you know, every morning and, but I would never like, no one ever said to me, um, this is why you're here. And then I remember like on the fourth day, the third or fourth day, uh, the nurse came in and I was getting frustrated. And the reason I was frustrated wasn't even so much, uh, the not knowing or, I remember, I, I, when I think back to it, I remember I, I didn't feel scared, like, I don't even think Warren came up to visit me that much, because I didn't really think he needed to, you know, I just, I was there, I didn't feel, you know, once that initial pain that brought me there was gone, maybe I had a sweet morphine drip going, I usually try to get that, whether I need it or not, I'm usually angling for it, so I'm sure there was a little bit of morphine involved, um, but I remember, like, the third or fourth night, this really nice nurse who was in my room and uh, I just broke down and cried and I was like, I just need someone to tell me why I'm here. I'm like, I just need to know why I'm here. And she cried too. And she cried because she knew why I was there. Of course she knew. She had my chart and she probably knew there was a reason nobody was telling me. And she might have known that, you know, maybe something was, I mean, I'm speculating why, but she might have just been crying because she felt bad for me. But she cried a little too, and I was—I thought that was telling. So I would deduce many years later, when I watched this happen to my my friend and coworker Jay, when this happened to his dad, because his dad went in for uh, routine yet still daunting uh, surgery, open heart surgery, um, which in itself is scary as hell. Um, but they got to get through all of this uh, heart surgery. It's like a six-hour surgery. And then the sepsis came. And that's like the number one killer of people in hospitals. So when I learned about sepsis and how da- how close he, how close Jay came to losing his dad, and not because of the surgery, not because of the, you know, opening up of his dad's chest, but because of this sepsis infection, that can happen and since then I've like my pharmacist like her her mom had cancer and uh it, but she contracted sepsis and uh it's really freaky and uh Jay has since gone on to like uh he's like a he's part of the sepsis foundation and he contacted the founder of the sepsis foundation and he works hard to spread awareness because a lot of people don't know so when I learned all about it, I deduced, I was like, hmm, I was in the hospital nine days. I was on 24-hour intravenous antibiotics so strong that it made me stunk, that I stunk. Um, I had an infection. I must have had some infection. Someone left a sponge in me. I believe someone left a sponge in me. Or uh, my appendix, uh, they didn't ca- uh, get all of it and the toxic part stayed. I don't know. But um, I I think that I dodged a bullet on that one. Penelope, 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 I'm going to throw this at Penelope. I'm going to throw something at you live on this podcast. <laughs> she's going she, she's going crazy. She's like, I just need a boy. <laughs> I just need a boy to come and get this over with. 
uh, and then I'll probably feel better. I understand. I've been there, girl. I've been there. Um, so <laughs> I don't know why the appendix story um, came up. I think it just had to do with like uh, emergency room, like middle of the night, immediate emergency room stories. But um, the uh, the hernia surgery went much smoother. So there was no leaving a sponge in me and I seemed to heal nicely and two months went by and everything seemed to be okay. And um, so this is like a few weeks ago. So it's, it's the surgery and all of that is becoming a distant memory. And I, I come home from work on some random Tuesday or Wednesday and I, you know, I'm, I'm doing my uh, housework that I do. I like to keep a clean house. I'm neurotic about it. I like to Clorox bleach things uh, uh, ad nauseum. And uh, I'm doing laundry. I'm cleaning the house. Um, just, you know, I'm, I'm doing stuff. And I'm walking up the stairs from uh, putting whatever, the wash into the dryer. And I notice, and I've been home for a couple hours now, and Warren has since gone to work. And um, he's like a, a couple hours away from coming home for lunch. And I notice that I'm having a hard time. Like, all of a sudden, I can't get a deep breath. So you know how you go, <gasps> or like when a doctor's listening to you through a stethoscope, and they're like, uh, take a deep breath, and you got to breathe in as hard as you can. Like, I would just call that, like, hitting the wall. Like, that's when I was trying to describe it. Like, if you would take a deep breath with all that you had, and you got the fullest breath you could take, I call that, like, hitting, I hit the wall, like, the very back wall of, like, my diaphragm. I got it all. So all of a sudden, I, I, I was trying to like take a deep breath and I couldn't hit the wall. Like I could get to about 70%. And um, the interesting thing, or not really interesting, but um, terrifying thing about when you notice that you are having labored breathing, um, you start to panic because uh, that's really scary when you can't really breathe. You're like, breathing's important. Um, I, I would like to be able to take my full breaths, um, in their fullness and that's not happening. And now I'm getting scared. So I instantly try, I sit down and I instantly try and, um, uh, you know, meditate. Like I try to, uh, do some, you know, like shorter breaths and, you know, I try and get myself out of this. Um, I don't have panic attacks. I, I don't have panic attacks, nothing like that. But still, I thought that might help me. And I noticed it wasn't working. So I send Warren a text and I'm like, I'm I'm having a hard time breathing. I'm like, I just want to let you know. And I never do. I never, ever do this, ever. I don't think I've ever contacted him at work and told him I didn't feel good, ever. Um, and I've certainly never asked him to come home from work because I don't feel well, ever. So um, not much time passes and I realize I'm not, I can't get out of this on my own and I call him and I'm like, I'm like, you need to, I'm like, I think you need to come home because this is weird and I don't understand it, but I can't get a deep breath. <clears throat> uh, so he, 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 he works like six minutes away. He flies home and um, so we're just going to try and like, we're just going to see if we can't calm me down so that I can, you know, get my get my breathing under control. So he sits down on the bed next to me and, and he starts rubbing my back. He's just like gently rub, rubbing my back and we're talking and we're like, quiet. And we're like, it's okay. It's going to be okay. 
And um, if this were something that, you know, wasn't an issue, like that, that would have done it. Um, it didn't do it. So after about, I don't know, after about 10 minutes, I said, we got to go. And normally, like, um, reference back to the uh, hernia surgery podcast, uh, I laid in bed for two straight days arguing with everybody that I didn't need to go to the emergency room. I was like, you need to go to the emergency room. <laughs> Why don't you call an ambulance for yourself? And my, Warren and my sister are like, you've been unconscious for two days. It's day three. You you have to go to the hospital. And I was like, why don't you give me four more hours and maybe it uh, will correct itself. Uh, give me a little more time. And they were like, no. So I usually don't recommend. I mean, not that I haven't in the past, but um, it's the last thing I want to do is go to the emergency room. I really don't want to do that. But I really also want to breathe. That I'm... Uh, I didn't realize what a big fan, big fan of uh, being able to take full breaths. So we go <clears throat> and uh, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to be chill. Like, cause I, I'm, I'm at like 70%, right? And I don't want to lose any more footing. Like that's the best I can do. And I don't want to lose any more footing. So I'm just trying to stay chill. It's like, uh, I don't know, it's like 11 in the morning and on like a Tuesday or Wednesday, surprisingly, uh, there's still, there's like a couple other people there. I, emergency rooms got, always have people there. There's never really a time when, you know, there's not someone that has an emergency. So I, I'm, you know, I tell them you go to triage. I tell them what's wrong with me. And they're like, okay, I have a seat. And, um, I noticed that they, they see a couple other people before me. And I'm like, well, they must not be that worried. I'm panicked, but they must, because I know that, you know, even if, uh, <clears throat> you know, even if you aren't first, um, if, if they think, you know, if you're having chest pains or something like that, uh, you move to the front of the line. And I actually was first, but they saw a couple other people before me. So I was like, okay, well, maybe that's a good sign. I'm all, I, oh, I'm always looking for signs like, oh, well, what does that mean? That must mean this. So um, they finally do call me back and I explain to them what's wrong. And um, I'm not sure, like, I'm not sure how, what happens. Like, uh, they take my blood pressure. Um, I have this stupid thing, like my left foot. Uh, it's, it's been, it's been like this for like a really long time, but it, it just random swells. Uh, and sometimes it'll stay that way for a while. And sometimes it's not an issue and it's a, a nice svelte ankle. Um, and sometimes that's, you know, like a big club foot, like it's just this weird, um, thing. So on that particular day, and I could see her eyes like look at it. And I said, I, I don't think it's related. I said, cause you know, that's been, that's been years that this foot thing happens. And, uh, but I saw her like, look at it anyway, she looks at that and I'm glad that they're, you know, that they, they're trying to figure out because I can't give her any reason as to why this is happening. She's asking me all these questions and I say, all I can tell you is I had surgery a couple months ago and I, I can't give you any other reason as to why this is happening. I don't know how they figure out what my oxygen level is like, but my oxygen level wasn't good. So, um, oh, what did she say? I don't remember, but I, I don't remember if she gave me a number of where my oxygen was, but my oxygen level wasn't good. And it was funny too, because I was trying to figure out, and I hadn't asked this, but I think I figured it out on my own. Does your oxygen level affect your breathing 
or does your breathing affect your oxygen level? Is chicken and egg thing there. Um, and I think it's that your breathing affects your oxygen level. So I think that that's the way it works. Because I wasn't breathing correctly, it brought down my oxygen level. So I'm laying there and Warren's making eye contact with me. We're looking at each other, you know, and he's like, it's going to be okay. And I literally, I turn into a six-year-old anytime like I'm in, like, anytime something like this is going on. I told you guys about the bloody nose in Florida where I made everybody tell me who their name was because I was like, you may all be the, the, you may be the people I see, uh, you're the last faces I see on earth. I want to know you. I want to care. I want us to care about each other, you know, and I just instantly just turn into a, a baby. So, and I'm looking at these people in Tria. I'm, I'm like, Every, everything's going to be okay. And they're great because they, they do what they should do. They go, yeah, because if it's not, there's no sense. And why would you tell someone that? They're like, yeah, real convincing. I hear her pick up the phone. So we're in triage. We're trying to figure out what's going on. She picks up the phone and she's like, I need a room in critical care right now. And I, I look at Warren and I look at each other and I look at her and I'm like, was that for me? And she was like, yep, we're going to get you back there. I was like, to critical care she was like yep you're gonna be okay it's gonna be all right and I'm like I look at Warren and I was like how can it how can somebody pick up the phone and say I need a room in critical care right now <laughs> stat and everything's gonna be okay I'm like it's it, it's not there's no way so we get back there I'm back in critical care and here's how I know I'm back in in, in a place I've never been I can hear all the conversations around me like there's people in the hallway, there's people in the rooms next to me, my door's open, and I can literally hear uh, the, the room next to me, they're, they're having a conversation about a woman who's uh, in really bad shape, and she's got about a 50% chance of pulling out of this surgery. I'm listening to this conversation, there's this other woman in uh, in the hallway, and she's in really, like, and I'm, I'm like, okay, so not only am I in a critical care ward, but I'm, I am among the sickest people in the hospital. I said, this can't be good, Warren. So uh, one of the nurses comes in and says, we don't want you to panic, but in a couple minutes, you're going to see a lot of people in this room. So you should know about me. Uh, when it comes to hospital experience, I am no slouch. Uh, I've had many experiences in the emergency room, surgeries and whatnot. Um I don't brag about it. It's just the way it is. I know my way around a, a, a hospital situation. So I can tell you that this has never happened at any time that I've been in an emergency room. So this guy continues to say, or this guy finishes what he's saying to me. He's like, so I want you to be okay. I want you to not freak out. But literally in like two minutes, this room is going to fill up with people. And sure enough, it did. Like 13 people filled the room everybody on the floor every doctor every, everybody and I think they were you know I think they were asking me questions I you know I, I, I but they needed to so I can only so I'm surmising because people aren't telling me but I am playing armchair quarterback I'm surmising in the moment and after the fact they didn't know what was wrong with me but they were under the impression that something bad was going to happen to me and soon 
that's where I think their head was at, and that's why everybody was there. So what they knew was my oxygen level was bad, and I'd had some I had I'd had some red flag incidents in the past. Um, you know, not in the best shape. Um, <clears throat> they had reason to believe they were probably thinking things like heart, uh, uh, blood clot. I mean, blood, all kinds of stuff. So, um, I, I'm really surprised I didn't completely like, uh, have a, 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 a blackout anxiety attack because it was a lot. It was crazy. So they put me on oxygen right away, which is great. Because as I said before, I'm a big fan of breathing. And uh, it felt nice to be able to breathe again. So I'm on the oxygen. It's funny because a friend of ours, uh, their mom was on oxygen. And <clears throat> he always used to say, she doesn't need to be on oxygen. Like, she's addicted. He would say she's addicted to oxygen. Like, she could get off the oxygen if she wanted to. But she didn't want to. And I was like, that's weird. Why would anybody want to carry around a tank and have that tube in their nose? And I'm like, I kind of get it now. I get, I'm just going to say I get being addicted to oxygen. Uh, I would feel better if I uh, always had a spare tank and a tube at home, just in case. Just for those, you know, moments where you just never know if you're going to be able to take a full breath. So I'm in the hospital and they're doing like every test known to man. So they're drawing blood, they're taking urine and uh, chest x-rays, a CAT scan. By the way, uh, fun experience if you've never had a CAT scan. They give you that contrast that you drink, and it legit, so they tell you this. If you've never had, this is for real, if you ever have a CAT scan, uh, yeah, CAT scan, CT, yeah, CAT scan. If you ever have a CAT scan, they'll tell you this, um, and it's true. So you drink the contrast, or they shoot it uh, into your IV. However you get the contrast, the next thing they say is, it's going to feel like you peed your pants, but you didn't. And it totally does. Right after they say that, you're like, oh my God. It feels like I'm peeing my pants right now, but I wasn't. And then you go in that big donut-shaped thing on this little plank, and that's never fun. And if you're claustrophobic, it's really not fun. You know, the whole time I'm sitting here thinking, if I need to get out of here, I don't, like, I'm, I'm trying to come up with an emergency escape plan, and I'm just like, I'm going to have to scooch out on my butt and hope that I, like, I, 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 I think Every, we're all claustrophobic. Nobody wants to be in a tight space like that. So, like, yeah, so I go in for chest x-rays and CAT scan, and then they come back for more blood. And I'm just, the entire time this is going on, I'm looking at Warren, and I'm like, you know, we're just minutes away from them coming in and telling, I'm like, there's just no way that I'm getting out of here without something really bad being wrong. I mean, they sent me to the critical care ward. We're, we're literally surrounded by people who we just heard get told you got a 50-50 chance of coming out of surgery. And like everything about this is terrible. Um, there's no way they're going to come in here and go, well, everything's good. Uh, you're good to go. We couldn't find anything. And I'll be damned if that's not what happened. After four hours there, they, they move me eventually um, when they start, the results start coming in. You know, first the, the, the x-rays come in and the CAT scan comes in and the blood tests come in and they're checking everything and everything, every avenue that they were thinking that it was is coming back. Nope. Clean bill, clean bill, clean bill. So then I get downgraded from my room to the hallway. So now I'm not as critical. Now I'm in the hallway, still got my oxygen, thankfully. And, uh, and I'm tired cause I, you know, 
had had all this not happened, I would have taken my after work nap and uh, I'm, I'm falling asleep on my little stretcher and I think Warren has gone out to the waiting room to watch some TV and, um, you know, I'm, I'm still, I, I haven't been discharged. Um, they also were planning on keeping me cause she, the, the girl came in with her little traveling, uh, register system and she was getting me all set to stay the night. Like they, they thought everybody thought something was, something was not going to be right. And, um, yeah, so at the end of all of it, at the end of four hours, this nurse who I made hold hands with me <laughs> because I'm, I'm serious. Like I'm such a baby and I just want to know, like if I'm going to die, this is my thing. If I'm going to die in this moment, I just want to be around people that at least pretended to care about me. I just want people holding my hands and, uh, and rubbing my hair and just, you know, lying to me and saying you're going to make it all the way, you know, up until I'm leaving the earth. Like I just give me false hope and smile in my face. So this this nurse who was taking care of me, um I don't think he actually he was he was a, he was some sort of doctor. Uh he would put his hands on the rail of the bed I was in and I would just I kept grabbing his hand and you know, I was just like trying to worm my way into his heart. I was like, just please care about me. Uh, so he comes up and he was like, we, nothing. He's like, we can't find anything. He's like, so you're okay. And he's like, your oxygen's back at 100%. And, uh, you know, you're, he's like, and I'm like, I'm like, have you ever seen anything like that? Like, is that normal that someone could come in and their oxygen is uh, dangerously low? And then you're like, you can go home. He's like, I've seen it. It wasn't a convincing, it happens all the time. He's like, it happens. Um, So bizarre to this day, don't know what caused it. So here was the kicker. I go home. I'm riding high on my new oxygen that they pumped into me. I'm feeling good and relaxed because I've had every test known to man. And I have to be the healthiest person in the world because they have looked at every square inch of inside of my body and I'm good. Um... And uh, so I, I'm like, I'm going to take a nap. And, and Warren's, you know, his work day has gotten away from him. He's home now too. And I lay down, I take a nap, and uh, I wake up a little bit later, and everything's still good. And son of a bitch, about 9 o'clock that night. Um, and 9 o'clock at night is really dangerously close to my alarm going off at 3. Like, I right around nine is not the time for me to be thinking I need to go back to the hospital because I don't, I got to go to work and I don't want to miss work. And I certainly don't want to miss work again because I was in the hospital again. <laughs> hey, Allison's not here today because she's in the hospital. Really? That's different. Um, so all I, I, so I get up and some hours pass and I, and I can't, I'm having a hard time breathing again. And I'm like, son of a bitch. And I, I literally sit on the edge of my bed for about an hour trying to decide. And uh, Warren's had some beers. And I'm like, I'm not going to make you go with me if I have to go back. I'm like, for lots of reasons. You took you missed work today. You got to go to work tomorrow. I'm not going to go make you sit there for four or five hours. I'm like, if I do go, I'm going to drive myself. Don't worry about it. And now I just have to sit here and decide. And I really don't want to go. At the same time, I'm trying to work on my breathing. But it's gotten away from me again. So the long and short of that is... I decide not to go that night. I have like two more episodes in the coming weeks where it gets just as scary. Um, one, uh, a few days later, Warren's watching some Woodstock um, 
documentary on PBS and uh, I, I'm freaking out and I can't breathe again and I go sit on the couch with him and he's rubbing my back and it takes about two hours. We're trying to get my breathing under control at least so I can go to sleep. Um, and the uh, the positive about that was I got to watch some of that Woodstock documentary, which is really cool. And if I had taken up all this time talking about this um, emergency room story, we could talk about that because that's a really good documentary and a lot of cool things that I learned about Woodstock. Uh, I recommend it, though. Watch that. Uh, I don't know what it's called, but it's the PBS Woodstock documentary. So, so there were like three or four more episodes where I couldn't catch my breath. And... Um, and I struggled in general for a few weeks after that, like uh, two weeks. I just would have these episodes, but I just, you know, I was like, they've they've checked me out. There doesn't seem to be anything wrong with me. I don't know what this is, but I'm just going to forge ahead. I'm just going to fight through it because I don't want to go back there. And what, what are they going to do that they didn't already do? So... I don't know if this has anything to do with it, but um, this is where, uh, you know, comedy always, uh, I like, I always like to look for the funny, the funny sides of tragedy. And um, I, again, I don't know that this was related or had anything to do with anything, <laughs> but uh, a couple weeks a week and a half, two weeks go by. Um, it starts to not be an issue. Like I'm not thinking about it and nothing's happening that brings it to my attention. So I'm thinking that whatever it was has, you know, kind of like passed. Um, and uh, there was a, a, a significant thing that happened between all of that trouble breathing and every it, it kind of clearing up like you know it's it's not an issue now knock on wood you know I don't have that much distance on it but I do have some distance on it but um something did happen in between me struggling for a couple weeks after my ER visit and now where I seem to be fine and it happened one day when I was laying in bed um I will say this and I'm not saying this to be like oh I'm so girly Look at how dainty and girly I am. I'm saying this because it's a fact. I really don't, uh, I really don't pass gas. I just, it's just something. I, I, I wish that I would more. Uh, I wish a lot of things would happen, um, inside. I wish a lot of things would move around and out. There's just a lot of everything staying in there. And that's a lot of what causes me issues. You know how people go to the bathroom every day? I strive to be one of those people. Oh, and you know that book, Everybody Poops? That's not true. So that lady or whoever wrote that book lied because that's not true. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, Warren uh, on a regular basis uh, can pass pass gas. Uh, he's He is hell on wheels after a plate of deviled eggs. Not a fan of that. Don't like it when his mom makes him deviled eggs. So, but me personally, I, it's not something that happens very often. So, uh, we're laying in bed one day and all of a sudden, uh, this urge, um, for, um, uh, emit, uh, emittance and, or an emittance, uh, of methane, <laughs> uh, this urge for it to purge 
happens. And, well, uh, then this happens. <laughs> well, that was kind of gross. That didn't happen. Uh, <laughs> wait. That didn't happen. There was a lot of that. There was none of that. There was none of that wet flatulence. But I say this uh, with uh, uh, deep apologies for the TMI. But um, the... Um, I is it, I I keep wanting to say emittance and I I don't even know if that's a word. Uh, the release, I'll just go with that. The release of this gas that might have been trapped in there forever went on for a while. Uh it went on for I don't know, like a couple minutes. And um I just I don't know if one thing has to do with the other, but shortly after that moment, I uh didn't have any breathing problems anymore. <laughs> Was I so filled with gas that I couldn't uh, get my diaphragm to uh, do its thing because gas was blocking? Maybe. Who knows? I don't. Um, and maybe one thing doesn't have anything to do with the other, but I can breathe now. And I'd like to think that I didn't go to the emergency room because I was gassy. <laughs> but all signs do point to uh, being gassy. <laughs> Which is way better than uh, a blood clot or what is that uh, uh, that lung thing? Oh, an embolism? Uh, it's much better than that. But um, so now you know. <laughs> Gas can take you to the emergency room i think that's i'm not a doctor uh i sometimes think i am a doctor but i'm not a real one but i just do feel better and can breathe easier now that it seems like six months worth of gas came out of me <laughs> and on that note uh until next time uh, another podcast coming up uh Quicker than normal, because I was in a fight with Brian Adams, and I'm not anymore, and I'll tell you why. So uh, we will talk again soon, and thanks for spending time with me, and I'm going to go scratch my mosquito bites now. I love you guys. I'll talk to you soon. Bye.